Hi, welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer this morning. We're so glad you're here. It's going to be a great morning of worship. We've got a number of really good things coming up. And first is we're wrapping up our series together. Together has been a great series where we have explored the kind of church that Jesus, that the Lord desires for us. What does that look like? What's our part in that? Pastor Jason is going to lead us to, through uh, the scripture today as we search the scriptures to the, together. And God has a message for us all today. Also this morning, really thankful and looking forward to continuing these Vacation Bible School block parties, these mini camps of, of kids in Vacation Bible School in the area, at homes and in yards, learning about Jesus, expressing themselves, just having a great time with others. Well, we're halfway through July, and so we're halfway through this, uh, these block parties, but we have two more weeks. So come on in, register at sumc.co slash VBS. It's not too late. Uh, sign up your child, their friends, uh, others. Vacation Bible School, block parties, don't miss out. Coming up the last two weeks, jump in. Also, we're really looking forward to uh, a new creation here. We're we're creating new life groups, new life groups. And life groups are where groups of people from, oh, five to eight people will do life together. They will meet regularly and grow in the relationship with God and others. And if you'd like to help others do this, in other words, lead or co-lead, we have some experiences for you. Coming up in early August, the 5th and the 8th, one is virtual, one is live. We have these new group leader launch experiences, new group leader launch experiences where you and I will be equipped to lead, co-lead uh, life groups that we're creating really soon. So everybody has a chance to participate. I can tell you, Rox, Ann and I have been in a life group for over a decade, created really good and deep relationships, had a lot of fun with these other folks that are a big part of our life. So I really, really, really encourage you to pray about it, but also to really act and commit to be trying becoming a part of a life group soon. You'll hear more about it. You can register for the event, the experience I talked about online. Again, it's gonna be great, new life groups. We invite you to engage today. There's a chat feature on your screen. Say hello to your friends and others. Also, we uh, will pray with you. If you have a prayer request, uh, send it to us. There's a prayer button, it's confidential. Again, love to pray with you, so please do that. And now uh, this, this is a beautiful day. A beautiful day that God has created for us. And so let's express our praise and our joy and our worship to God, the creator, the God we love so much. Let's worship. Fixed on you, now what I face, now what may stand before me. I know you'll lead me through the desert place, the storms that rage around me. Savior, Redeemer, Defender, and Healer, every single step of the way. You never change, I will bless your name 
every breath I take I will praise you from the valley to the mountaintops I will lift my hands, I'm not holding back I will praise you from the valley to the mountaintops From the valley to the mountaintops Now let's pray together. In our time of praying, we thank God for this gift of prayer, this conversation, relationship with God that deepens our relationship, certainly with God, but others, and really changes the world around us. So again, we thank God. And today I invite us as we pray, uh, Pastor Jason is going to lead us today in scripture that really speaks to God's overcoming, his overcoming power, the mystery of God, the goodness of God, God's strength. and so. Today, as we pray, I want to uh, read a, a line of scripture from the text today, and then let's pray in this, in this spirit. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. And so today in this time of prayer, let's, let's pray in God's will. And let's pray regarding God's overcoming and also that, uh, that in this life with God that we would glorify Him and that we would be in His will. And so let's, uh, let's pray, take some time to pray.
Holy God, we thank you that you have overcome the world and that God in, in life and your spirit, your spirit that lives in us, come Holy Spirit. But God, we, we have the power that you give us to really believe and to really hope and to really give mercy and grace that in your grace, God, we can overcome the, the challenges and hardships in our life and, and live the life that you have for us that's abundant and full through everything. And so today we, we really thank you as we wrap up this series as well, that in life together as your body, God, that we can glorify you. In other words, uh, worship you and tell your stories of, of goodness and, and uh, changing the world, God. We just, we pray that you, God, would be in us completely and that we uh, live with you and overcome in this very time and place. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. And now I invite us to pray together uh, with confidence. We, we heard uh, confidence in that scripture, with boldness and confidence that God gives us in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, know that your giving, your generosity, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is changing lives, restoring lives, uh, giving joy in this very time and place and wherever you're at, um, know that God is working. And today I wanna thank you, we want to thank you for your support of ministries like Vacation Bible School block parties, these, these mini camps, if you will, of Vacation Bible School where kids are, are expressing themselves and loving Jesus and really, really learning to love each other and uh, really become the people that God wants them to become, the next generation. But it's your support, your generosity, giving back to a God that is more generous than we can imagine. Uh, thank you, thank you, and God, thank you for uh, providing for us, caring for us, and loving us. Uh, let's, uh, let's give back to God. I'm pressing on the
Don't you love a good story? All this year, 52 weeks this year, we're telling God stories, stories of where God is moving, working, transforming lives. God is real and revealing God's self in our world and lives. And today we're going to uh, hear in one of our 52 stories, we're going to hear from Patsy Spindler, a lady of great faith, and she has a, a really good news story for us. Let's watch. We joined Schweitzer in February of 1987 after we moved here from St. Louis. My sister and her family went here, and so she really wanted me to come to Schweitzer. Right now, I take care of the plants in the Narthex. That's one of my little jobs. I am a member of Alter Guild. I play handbells. I played handbells for more than 35 years, and I sing in the chancel choir, and I sing with senior saints. I belong to Navigator's Sunday School class, or I'm treasurer, and that's a wonderful, wonderful Christian group of friends. In August of 1985, my husband lost his job. He was a physician, worked for a small hospital in Southern Illinois, and he also had a BNDD number, which is a Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs number, which allowed him to write prescriptions for um, scheduled narcotics and anesthesia drugs. But the problem was he had been writing them for himself or for family all over Southern Illinois, all these small towns and Missouri and transporting them across the river, which made it a federal offense. And he was looking at federal prison time and we knew that. He had admitted himself in a drug and alcohol rehab unit of 35 day inpatient stay. It was the seventh time he'd been admitted for drug and alcohol abuse in the 19 years we'd been married. And with him being an inpatient and not having health care insurance, the cost was going to be monumental. The first time we had divine intervention was, there was a nun, he worked at a small Catholic hospital, the nun in charge of the hospital basically bullied the board in letting us, to letting us keep our health care insurance. He was given an aftercare plan, which involved extensive um, meetings, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, and I, we did family counseling, and I went to Al-Anon, which I think saved my life at the time. In order for him to stay out of prison, which was our goal, he had to resent, um, relinquish his Illinois license, which he did and his BNDD number, which he did. So allowed to keep his Missouri license, but only on probation. We went where we were supposed to go. We, we had a few options, but we opted to go through the window that was left open, and it was a good thing. Like I say, you feel so alone, but you gotta realize that God is propping you up, supporting you. He's got his arms around you. You can crawl in his lap. You can, you can yell, you can scream, you can kick, and he doesn't care. He's gonna love you anyway. And that's sometimes all you got to lean on is that love of God. My name is Patsy Spindler, and this is just the beginning of my story. Hello, I'm Pastor Jason. So glad you've joined us today at Schweitzer for this time of worship. Today we're going to be concluding our series on fellowship. And to do that, we're going to be taking a look at the letter we call 1 John. It's in the back of the New Testament. And we're going to be reading from 
all of 1 John chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, or if one's close to you, or if you'd just like to listen along, I'm going to read 1 John chapter 5. Let's hear what the Lord has to say to us. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony." So we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agree, since we believe human testimony. Surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. All who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that his testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe that God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So here's the conclusion. I have written this to you who, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us, when we make our request, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. And we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. And we know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. The word of God for the people of God and the people of the world. Thanks be to God. Today, is, as we've heard that text, there's a number of things that might pop out to you, a number of ideas that John is speaking to or he's saying to us. One of the things that we find about the fellowship, about people who are connected to Jesus, one of the words that I find surprising or I find refreshing, I find that it's like it's good news in this time and space where we're at, is that those who, or let me read it again, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve victory through our faith. John talks to us and he describes how when we're united to Christ and united in Christ with brothers and sisters, there is a victory, a sense of a victorious living that comes upon those who follow after Christ. And what kind of victory is John describing? What kind of victory is he pointing at? Well, certainly those who've studied the words that John uses, they, they point out to us that the language there that John is talking about in terms of victory is, is the kind of word that you would use to describe if you won 
playing at a, in a sporting event, or if you were in some sort of rhetorical argument, or if you were in a, in a court of law, if you were at war, if you came away with a sense of winning, that's the kind of language that you would use. John uses that word, same kind of word that Paul uses over in Romans when he says we are more than conquerors through Christ. There is this, this degree that John says, if we're in Christ, we are victorious people. Now that's good news to us because I don't know about you, but in 2020, I don't know that I've had too many moments where I've sensed that, that I'm living a, a really victorious life. There's been all kinds of, of dreams that have been dashed or been all kinds of plans that have gone along the way. But there is this word and this picture and this image that's out to us that says, guess what? You can live victorious. You can live a sense that you're winning. Well, what is the sense of victorious, the sense of eternal life look like? Well, John says a couple different times in this text that eternal life is the life that comes to us from Christ. It's the sense of the peace of Christ and the resolve of Christ. It's the happiness of Jesus. It's the tenderness and the justice and the mercy of Jesus, the truthfulness of Jesus, the fearlessness of Jesus, the hospitality and the love of Jesus. And then when those all rest within us because we've opened ourselves up to Christ, those can be attributes and realities that live within us and from within us, they begin to touch the world. One of the pictures that I have, a real living picture of, of this is in the person of Polycarp. Now, if you're going to have a baby after this COVID-19 and you're looking for a really good name, especially for boys, I'd recommend Polycarp to you. Polycarp was a bishop of Smyrna and he was a disciple of John, the, the person who wrote this text. Polycarp heard John when he was just a young person and he listened to John's stories about Jesus and he heard John's preaching and he would go on and he would be a leader of the church. And the church in the days of Polycarp experienced a whole lot of uh, different experiences. Sometimes there were great moments. And then sometimes there were moments when the, the world around the church was pressing in. When Polycarp was 87 years old, a new ruler came to Rome and, and set in motion persecution of Christians all over the world. And so Polycarp was arrested at the age of 87, the people came to his home to arrest him. When Polycarp had soldiers in his home ready to arrest him, he asked the soldiers if he might continue in prayer. And they let him continue. And to those who were around Polycarp, the other companions that lived with him, he said, would you mind fixing our soldiers, our guests, a meal? And so while Polycarp prayed, hospitality, the hospitality of Christ was put out before those who had come to arrest him. And then Polycarp was asked on a number of different occasions. As he made his way from his house to the place where he would stand before a governor, he was asked and invited just to say that Caesar is Lord. Because Polycarp, a follower of Christ, would say that Jesus is Lord and only that Jesus is Lord. Polycarp said, I, I can't do it. Ultimately, Polycarp would say this, 80 and 7 years have I served Christ, followed Christ, and he's never let me down. In this moment, I cannot say that he's not Lord. I must say that he is. And I cannot say that anyone else is Lord. I must follow after Christ. Polycarp's life and the way that his life comes to an end has been a profound inspiration to, to people that have followed Jesus through hard times all around the world. Because here's somebody who has the sense of the graciousness, the hospitality, the fearlessness of Christ. And he has a sense of an eternal reality. 
because he spoke before the governor who said, I can condemn you to, to death. And Polycarp said, uh, this death is not the only death. There is a life that you cannot extinguish that resides within me. And so you can take this life, but you cannot take eternal life from me. And so people have looked at Polycarp's life all across the centuries. They say, what is it to live a victorious life? It's to live like Christ. It's to live like someone like Polycarp. And so people have taken, they've taken great courage from Polycarp's life. Now, I, I look around me and I think about people who've, who have been examples to me, people who have gone through a, a number of great times in life where they've known a, a great deal of pressure and yet they have a sense of calm and resolve and love that flows out of them. Or I think, think about people who have who found a great deal of success and yet their lives are marked by humbleness and gratitude and their biggest aim is to love God. You know, when you think about people like that, people who exude the sense that, you know, if you have a rough day, you want to be around somebody who speaks life into you. This is the kind of victory that John is describing. There's a sense of victory that, that comes to us when we're in Christ and when we're a part of the community of Christ. This victory then that he talks about, he describes three different places where the victory of Christ really touches us, where it meets the place where we live. First, he talks about the world that we live in and, and about the evil one. In fact, he describes the world as evil. And that isn't to say that creation itself is evil. No, but he's, he's thinking about the communities in which people who follow after Jesus come from. Uh, people who follow after Jesus can, at least in John's world, be misunderstood. And so many of the people that John writes this letter to have been sidelined. They're, they're cut out of community. They're cut out of the community. The synagogue, they're, come out, they're cut out of the community with, within the, the business framework where they live because following Jesus, they've, they've made a commitment to him. They've made a commitment to, to have a difference in their life. And so they're cut out of that community. Also, he talks about how those who, who have victory in the world are those who have victory over sin. Sin is something that leads us away from God. It's an action that takes us away from what God's best plan is for our life. At really the heart of sin is the reality is not just an action, but it's a, a disposition where, where we set ourselves up as God against God. And so he talks about how in Christ, in fact, throughout the entire letter, he talks about how in Christ, we can have a victory over sin and we don't need to be about the business of sinning. And then he talks about how we can have victory over fear. And the real fear here that he's speaking to is a, a sense deep in our hearts that we, we could wonder whether we really have a connectivity to God himself. Are we really children of God? Now to these realities that are present within the world, John says, we can be people who living in Christ can have victory because victory comes around us through the gift of the fellowship, through the fellowship in which we reside. Also, we think about those who, who have hangups and hurts in this world. There are people who've joined uh, a new resurgence of, of what Methodists or Wesleyans call the Wesleyan bands, where they share the challenges that they're, that they're having from day to day, even about their habits and their hang-ups, their hurts. And the bands are there to hear them out, to pray with them, to encourage them. I think about people who are involved in AA groups or NA groups. They, they know the kind of person that they want to be. 
But yet, sometimes they find that the habits or the hangups come creeping back up and they find strength in groups like AA. When we think about fear, the thing that John says is that the spirit has a way of speaking to us. In fact, he talks about how we can have a sense of security in our own hearts and minds about our connectedness to Jesus because there are three things that testify he speaks to. He talks about how the water of baptism speaks to us. Whenever, I don't know, uh, when, what you see when you see a baptism taking place, somebody else is being baptized. That baptism is supposed to speak into that person's life, but it's also supposed to speak into our lives, your life and my life, about the reality that there was a place in time when we were baptized and our sins were washed away and the clothes of Christ were placed upon us. He talks about, then he mentions the blood as a witness to us. And the blood, on the one hand, could be reflective of the reality that we look to the cross and the cross is where Jesus' blood is shed so that our, our sins can be forgiven and we can be redeemed. John Wesley, in his, in his reflections on this text, says, you know, the, the sense of blood is something we see when we come to the Lord's table and we take of communion. God's grace speaks to us in that moment. And communion most generally, most often, is something that we experience within the community of God's people. And so there is a sense of victory when we come to the Lord's table that greets us there. And then he talks about the Spirit. The Spirit speaks deeply to our own own hearts, and it speaks deeply to the hearts of other people. And in this season that we've been in, in fact, through this entirety of this year, one of the things that's been speaking to my own heart is the 52 stories that, have, that we've been telling here at Schweitzer. They're stories that you've been providing, stories that come from your own life about how God has been present to you. And he's used all kinds of ways to connect with you through his people, through his church, through readings that you've taken up. And God has been at work in your life. And I have just been so encouraged in my own life that I say, when God is at work, his spirit tends to take the words that you share from those stories and and he begins to apply them to my life. So how can we, sisters and brothers, begin to be people who experience the victory of God present in our life? How can we be people who experience it now in this moment where we find ourselves in 2020? Well, three different things I'd like to suggest to you. One is by being a part of a community. And it is hard at this moment to be a part of a gathered community. There are all kinds of ways that it's, it's really struggling to connect with other people, whether it's in a large group or a small group, because connecting with others and seeing others is, is how uh, we've been told that this pandemic will continue to go on. Well, I have been encouraged by some of the seasoned saints here at Schweitzer because they found some ways to connect They're connecting virtually. A couple of of groups who meet throughout the week, movers and shakers, a bunch of seasoned saints, seasoned men on on Monday mornings. And then on Wednesday mornings, a group of of women who call themselves God's Lunch Bunch. They knew that community was important. And if they were going to make it through this moment in time, like they've made it through a lot of other difficult moments in time, is that they needed to be connected to one another. So what did they do? They reached out to some folks here that reached out to some friends and neighbors around them and they found how to connect 
through all kinds of digital means and they're connecting via Zoom or they're connecting through some other virtual mechanism. They knew that community was vital. They know that it's vital and important and they're running through all the hoops, figuring out how do we stay connected to one another? There's something else that, that John does just by the reality of giving us this letter. John knows the reality that in Christ there can be peace and there can be hope and there can be joy no matter what's happening around us or no, no matter what's happening in our lives. And so he writes this letter to a church to, to let them know about all that God has done, about the truth of God, about the reality of God. This, this year, the season of life that we've been in, one of the things that I've cherished most that's, that's come into my world is to receive some handwritten notes or some handwritten letters. And some of the best things that have come my way is when somebody quotes a passage of scripture that speaks. They don't know that it's going to speak, but it speaks to my heart. Maybe, just maybe, if we want to help ourselves and help other people experience some of the great goodness and the victory of God, we take up a pen and paper and we'd write a, a note and send it to somebody in our world who could use a note. And finally, the third thing is this. In verse 16, John talks about the significance of prayer, of praying for one another, of finding a way. In fact, he mentions it with regards to if you see a sister or brother who's sinning, go to the Lord in prayer for that person. Now, you notice that John doesn't say that you've got to point out the sin. He doesn't say you've got to speak to the sin or critique the person or what the person's up to. Nor does John say that if you see somebody sinning, just walk away from them altogether. We live in a culture that's willing to cancel and we are quick to cancel right now. Our tempers are up, our anxiety's up. But John speaks to us. He speaks this word of praying, praying for our sisters and our brothers. This is how we experience the victorious life, by living in community, by reciting the truths of scripture with one another, by praying for one another, by reminding one another of who God is and how God has worked in us and in all of us to draw us to himself. And he's worked in us his goodness and his glory and his grace. There's something else that I've been really excited about. You know, for a number of us, we know that this period of COVID has taken away a lot of things. But COVID has created and opened up some new opportunities, some new things that are out in front of us. We should never miss the opportunities that are, that are here present to us. Some folks have found that COVID has taken away all kinds of pressure and stress and times where we couldn't connect as a family and they've been reconnecting. One of the things that I've been privileged to be a part of is a writing group here at Schweitzer. And in the fall, we're going to open up, uh, we're going to have a sermon series on Colossians. And the sermon series is going to be called Jesus is Greater. And, and what the writing group has done over the past several months is they've never connected one to another, but they've, they've connected in a way around the text of Colossians. And they've begun to write devotionals. And we're collecting those devotionals and we're putting them into a book. And we know that there is a sense of victory, of great joy when people can gather, even if it's in small groups. And so this fall, you're going to be hearing about life groups that are forming. And we're going to be asking people to be hosts for life groups. And we're going to be inviting you to be a part of a life group. And you can do that virtually. You can do that in a, in a really small group. And we're going to have this resource of a, of a booklet with some guided devotional readings and some questions and a prayer 
all you really have to do is be willing to host. And in that, in that sense of hosting, what we know to be true about what Christians and people who followed Christ over the ages is that when we gather around the pages of Scripture, we connect to Christ and we begin to connect to one another, we don't really know what everybody else around us is going through or what we'll be going through. But somehow in the midst of that place, the Spirit of God speaks into us and He encourages us and He lifts us up and He lets us walk with a sense of victory that whatever's happening today doesn't have to overcome us or overwhelm us, but there's strength for today. There's hope and there's peace and there's joy for the future. Kind Father, thank you for the encouragement that comes to us when we pick up the pages of Scripture and read not only your goodness and your word to people who live at a certain time and place, but we pick up and we read your word that comes alive in the places where we're at and it speaks to us. We give you thanks that there is a victory that you call us into and a victorious kind of living no matter what's happening in the world or no matter what's taking place in our own lives, there is a victory, a hope, a joy, a solitude that comes from being united to Christ. And so today we ask that you would shape our hearts, unite us fully to you, and give us faith. Renew our faith, and for some of us, give us new faith that we've never had before. Link us to Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us in worship today. And one of the things that we're really interested here at Schweitzer is how you're experiencing online worship. So we've created uh, a five-question, very short survey that we'd love for you to fill out. The link is down below, and or it's in the comment section. So we'd love for you to take a moment, take about 30 seconds. Let us know how you're experiencing online worship. We are so glad that you've joined us. Let's, let's uh, enter into this next worship song with great joy for the day.
Thanks for joining us today as we've wrapped up this series on the fellowship. We hope that you'll take a moment and share this experience with a friend of yours who really needs encouragement. Next week, we start a new sermon series on joy. It's going to be great. We look forward to you joining us. And next week, we're also going to have a second time for the live worship experience, 1130. You can join us 15 minutes before 9. Uh, that time is still the same or 15 minutes before 1130, 1115. It's right after brunch. Uh, share that time, invite somebody to join you at your house or wherever you gather. It's going to be a great time. So we've got two times next week, 9 o'clock or 11.30 for live worship experience coming to you from Schweitzer. Thanks again for joining us in worship today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord help you walk in victory this day and this week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. 